Welcome to the Pastor's Roundtable Podcast, a podcast where we pull apart and deconstruct the habits, routines, and tactics of the great men and women of faith. Drastically changed my life. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here is your host, Ryan Latham. Well, hey, welcome to episode 46 of the podcast. I am really excited that you are taking the time to listen today. Hey, thank you so much for liking, subscribing, and sharing this, and even leaving a comment. That really does help us out. Today, my conversation is with Banning Leapshire. He is the leader and founder of Jesus Culture, the conferences, the church, and we're talking about today his new book, The Three Mile Walk. Great conversation. It's going to be really helpful for you. I know it is. Hey, are you looking for some new resources to help you with strategy, some templates, uh, some growth uh, courses, some plans, things like that? Then check out Church Fuel. You can go to renewedleadership.org slash fuel. That's renewedleadership.org slash fuel to get some free downloaded ebooks, courses. Uh, one of the big courses that they have is breaking the 200 mark in your church. Well, I'm excited for you to listen to my conversation today with Banning Leapshire. I am really excited because I've got uh, Banning with us today. Uh, Banning, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. It's good to be here. We were just talking about how I, a few years ago I was supposed to be on and then got vertigo. So I'm happy to announce that I do not have vertigo and it only took like five years to, uh, to get back on. So it's great to be with you. Uh, yeah. Vertigo free five and a lot older. Yeah. Yeah. Wiser. That's for sure. So Manny, it's uh, always good to, to talk with you and uh, be encouraged. You, uh, uh, and we'll talk about it, but uh, you know, one of your, your passions in life is to encourage people um, encourage youth pastors, pastors. Um, and so for the two people that don't know who you are, uh, why don't you give us just a snapshot? Because I know for, and even for those that, that do know you, um, you know, obviously Jesus culture, the church, Jesus culture, the albums, Jesus culture, the podcast. Um, but, uh, for, you know, way back when, uh, you were just a local youth pastor, yeah. local church youth yeah. pastor at a little small uh, startup church. In yeah, well, it was back then. It wasn't yeah. what it is now. Well, my name's Ben Leapcher. Uh, my claim to fame is I am Kim Walker Smith's pastor. That's about it right there. And so uh, that's my main claim to fame. Now, listen, I'm 44 years old, been married 22 years. I have a 21-year-old daughter in college, 17-year-old daughter who's about to be a senior in high school and a 14-year-old son who's going to be a freshman in high school. Um, I um, have uh, been in full-time ministry 25 years. I started out, like you mentioned, at Bethel Church in Reading. I'm actually from Reading, born and raised. was going to the church before Bill even came. Uh, and when I was 19, I interned, and then I got hired at 20. I was on staff there for 18 years. Uh, 12 of those I did youth ministry. And then out of our youth group came Jesus Culture. Um, Kim and Chris and all those, they were just kids in our youth group and um, they started doing worship. And then we started traveling around the world and doing campus stuff and doing conferences and putting out albums. And, and then about um, seven years ago, actually seven years ago, yesterday, 
um, we moved uh, to the Sacramento area to plant a church. And then about just under six years ago, we planted a church in, uh, in Folsom, right outside Sacramento. So that's kind of my life. I'm a, a dad of teenagers and college kid and, and a pastor of an incredible church. Yeah, so good. But uh, we're talking today about your brand new book that just came out, uh, which is, it's debatable, okay, Banning? So it's debatable as to what number this book is, okay? And I just watched yeah. uh, um, you and Becky talk, and I'm, I'm here to, to set the, state, the, the, the table straight because okay. you're debating between four and three. Yes. And I think it's really five. What, five? Yeah, let's go through this. Let's go through this. Okay, let's go. do it. Let's do it. So let's we got our it. first one. We got Jesus Culture here. Okay, so That's calling a generation yep. to revival. Okay, yep. now I want you to know, I read the original, and this is the uh, updated <laughs> the conference revised. version. Yes, totally. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I got this. Okay. Now, so here's here's where I'm throwing it in. All right. I'm a, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. So here's here's the other one, which is rooted. Okay. Yep. So and you have an advanced is, reader copy because you I, were part of our launch team. I was part of the launch team. You were, okay. And I wish we would have done a launch team for this last book, but you were part of the launch team. Okay. I was. I was. Yep. I was. So uh, The Hidden Places Where God Develops You, fantastic book. Uh, just so helpful. Um, gosh, just, just diving into uh, the, the richness of God in the, the secret places. Okay, now here, here it is. This is where I want to throw in my, my uh, two cents here. I believe, Banning, you're not giving yourself credit for spiritual Java. <laughs> yes, spiritual Java. You know what's funny about that is I get it. That's Destiny Image. So Destiny Image did like a devotional book with a bunch of different authors. And they just took from our other books and put them in there. But I will still, when I get my reports for my for Jesus Culture, it, it'll be like, uh, 30 cents, spiritual Java. <laughs> yes, hey, okay. All right. I just want to give, throw it out there. Make sure, All right, there make we sure go. we're giving credit for where credit's due, the man. Contributing author, contributing author. That's yeah, right. well, actually, my second book was called Journey of a World Changer, but it was really a devotional that we wrote off of Jesus Culture, so I don't count it. Yeah, and I so have there, that one, too. I, I thought it'd be debate. a little too stalkerish if I brought that one in as well. So yeah, no, let's, let's, That's deep friendship. That's BFF status. <laughs> But I do have it, and I and I did I did uh, actually I did the devotional. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's more of a devotional, so it doesn't quite count. Yeah, yeah. it does, man. It does. So anyway, I just yeah. thought it'd be fun to. Uh, well, thank you, Spiritual Java. Yes, I stir the yeah. pot up a little bit as we. Get I think going. of Spiritual Java every quarter when I get a report from Destiny Image, <laughs> and they show me that Spiritual Java sold whatever. Yeah, and you go out and buy a stick of gum or something. You know? Yes, that's exactly right. All right, so let's talk about the brand new book. Uh, I can't wait to get a hold of it. Um, it is called The Three Mile Walk, The Courage You Need to Live the Life God Wants You uh, or Wants for You. And so, um, you know, you break it down. I love the title. It begs lots of questions. Let's just be honest. Um, yeah. You know, I thought maybe we we're talking about you know, Mark Batterson, you know, three mile walk journey. Yeah, here. totally. Fitness. Uh, yeah, fitness, whatever. And so now I kind of dove in there a little bit and saw that uh, you broke it down in three steps. But, yeah. but let's talk about it. So give us just kind of a high level overview of the book and then we'll dive in more specifics here. Yeah, sure. You know, it's been four years since Rooted came out. So um, this isn't actually a sequel, but it's, it's along the same lines of my passion just to come alongside and encourage people. At the end of the day, I want to encourage people. 
I, I want to come alongside them and just believe in them and help equip, encourage, challenge, inspire. And so for me, in my 25 years of ministry, what I found is this, both biblically and walking with people, that, that people are most alive, they are most fulfilled, they are most thriving when they are, in, when they are fully engaged in the call of God in their life. And the understanding, first and foremost, that you have a call in your life. Everybody has a call in their life. You have every single person listening to us right now has a call in their life. And their call is really in two parts, that God's called them to be someone. He's wanting to shape them, form them, mold them to look like Jesus. And then he's called them to do something. He's invited them to partner with him to see his plans and purposes established in the earth. And so, so, so that call to be and that call to do what I found is, is that people are most alive, most thriving when they're engaged in that call. But, but not everybody has been awakened to that call, and then not everybody's engaged that. And so um, it's the, the three-mile walk, the reason why it's called that is because it comes out of the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer in 1 Samuel 14, where it's, a, it's this incredible contrast between Saul, who is content to sit on one, you know, the Philistines are encamped against the Israelites on one hill. Israelites on one hill, Philistines, and Saul is content to sit underneath a pomegranate tree with the rest of the army and just look at a distance from the Philistines, not really engaging them, not in pursuit of them, but just content to sit from a distance. And then something awakens in the heart of Jonathan where, you know, he says, I don't want to sit anymore. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go after what God's put in my heart. And uh, that's what we called Three Mile Walk because in between those two hills was a three-mile valley. And so he, he, in order to engage the call of God in his life, he had to get up and do this three-mile walk. And, um, and so, so just really trying to, to stir people, awaken them. You know what my prayer is? My prayer is that people would, would encounter a divine dissatisfaction mm -hmm. to settle for anything less than what God has for them. And that we would no longer be willing to sit on the sideline of our destiny, just on the sideline of our life, but that we would get up and engage it. And what separates you in life is not your call. Everybody has a call to look like Jesus. Everybody has a call to change the world. What separates you is not your call. What separates you is whether or not you're going to engage the call. If you're going to start the journey, if you're going to go on the walk. And then when you do, you quickly find out there's a few things that are needed. And so that's what we unpack in what we're calling the three miles of the walk. That's great. So, you know, calling, it's just this huge conversation in the church, right? Yeah, it is. And um, I think uh, I don't want to answer for you. So let me just ask it. Um, so, so many people, when they hear the word calling, it's so much about my job or what I'm doing. And, and so unpack that word calling a little bit for us. Well, like I said, I think that you have your first calling is identity based. It's not, it's not, it's not, um, you know, task based or it's not what you're putting your hands to. It's, 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 this is what I would say. The first calling is what God's putting his hands to. The second calling is what you're putting your hands to. So God's mm -hmm. trying to shape you and mold you. He's trying to shape your identity. So, um, you know, that might be that, that I want to be a good father. I want to be a good, um, husband. I, I, I want to be a, a, a man of purity. I, you know, God's trying to shape you and mold you. And, and so our, our first call is identity. Our second call is mission and our mission comes out of our identity. So hopefully 
the job that you're doing, um, whatever you're, whatever season you're in, whatever you're putting your hands to, that you would have a deeper understanding, one, how that has to come from your identity, but two, how that's actually connected to what God's doing in the earth. What you're doing is connected to what God's doing in the earth and what you're doing should be coming out of your identity as a son or a daughter of God. And, uh, and that's true for every single person. There is not a hierarchy of callings. There's not a greater calling on one person or the other. We all have the same calling. We really do. What we don't all have is the same response, but we all have the same calling. That's great. That's great. So in the book, you break down three miles. Uh, first one is holiness. Second one is courage. And the third one is faith. So um, let's just dive into, give us a little snippet into uh, maybe one of those. Well, I could tell you my heart for this. So, so um, I remember years ago, I read a book by Ian Bounds called Power Through Prayer. I think it was written in the late 1800s, early 1900s. It was written to preachers. And one of the things he says, Ian Bounds, who's you know, one of the foremost authors on prayer in history, he said, um, he said it takes 20 years to make a sermon because it takes 20 years to make a man. So books for me are less about like, hey, I've got a couple of good sermons, but like, what has the Lord done over the last 20 years? And, and I think over the last 20 years, as you look back and as you look biblically, of course, you kind of things, you, you kind of begin to see certain patterns that are needed or certain things that God requires from us. That's what the three miles are. And so for me, it, it's holiness that, that every call starts with being set apart that the Bible says that Jesus, when he refers to himself, he says, do you say of him whom the father sanctified and sent? That there's always a sanctification. There's always a, a setting apart before you're sent. But I think that I grew up in a very legalistic, uh, conservative kind of environment. And so my heart, I just took a couple of chapters, but my heart is to really unpack and maybe have people look at holiness in a fresh way. That holiness is 100% relational. That holiness is not about what you don't do. It's about what you're doing. And, and, and that separating from sin is critical, important, and needed, but you, you, you're not holy because you separate from sin. Just because you don't smoke or sleep around or listen to music with cuss words doesn't make you holy. Holiness is a concept of being set apart unto God. And it's a 100% of my life set apart to God, not part of my life set apart to God. And it's relationally based. It's relationally motivated. It's relationally fueled. It's relationally done. And so I, I think that, um, it, and, and to really understand holiness, you've got to understand the relational part because what God requires of us as a father has to be then motivated by our desire as sons and daughters. So holiness and then and then courage and faith are just at the end of the day, anybody who says, I'm going to go after what God's called me to do, whatever it is, I want to be a man of purity. I want to start this business. I want to raise kids who follow Jesus. I want to plant a church. I want whatever, whatever it is that you feel called to do. When you engage that, you very quickly find out that it takes a massive, massive amount of courage to do that. And so because it takes so much courage to be who God's called you to be and to do what God's called you to do, one of the main things that you'll encounter on this journey is discouragement. The enemy is working to discourage you. And maybe it's not your entire life, 
but there are pockets of your life, your finances, your marriage, your kids, your work, your future, your relationships. There are areas where he's just trying to discourage you because he knows that you'll never be who God's called you to be. You'll never do what God's called you to do apart from courage. It takes courage. And I think it's what confuses people is that anybody can get excited about a vision. It is not hard to get excited about a vision. But when you engage that vision and you begin to understand the level of courage it takes to see that vision manifest, this is the story of Jonathan. Jonathan just didn't have a vision. He engaged that vision. And on that vision, he needed courage. That's why God stuck an encourager with him to stick courage inside of him. So we just unpack all that stuff and talk about the things that discourage us, seasons of delay, things that confuse us, things like that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, you know, one of my, my favorite sermons you preached was uh, holiness, one big yes. Yes. Um, and then you, uh, you know, you just said it, holiness is 100% relational. You know, um, you, know you, you gave us a little bit about that, but I just love the idea that holiness is not about what I don't do um, and the things that I avoid, but that it's really this pursuit after Jesus. It's just such a uh, yeah. a great way of looking at it. Well, and, and I would say it's important because we had this concept. I grew up in a pretty conservative legalistic environment, like I said. So holiness was a list of do's and don'ts. And in reality, it was more don'ts than do's. And the biblical, listen, you've got to separate from sin. Sin that's so easily entangled as us. It's, it's leading you to destruction, not to life. You've got to separate from sin. But if all we're doing is calling people to repent at the altar, but never calling them to give themselves fully to God, then we're missing. And we're going to end up the next year calling people to repent of sin again because they haven't taken the next, next step. And then we see this picture with Nazarites and we see this picture with Josiah. Josiah didn't just tear down altars. He, you know, he, 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 uh, he called the nation to worship. Uh, Nazarites, when the Nazarite would take a vow, it wasn't just that the Nazarite would separate from wine, would separate from touching dead people, but during the Nazarite vow, they would also fulfill the duties of the priest. So there's a picture of I'm separating from something so that mm. I can set myself apart for something else. And yeah. that's that picture of holiness. It's not just that I don't drink wine or touch dead people. It's that I'm also doing the work of the priest. That's that picture that I want people to get. Yeah, it's being separated for a purpose and not yes. just that's that, that separation. And separated for a person, for Jesus. It's separated for a father. You're exactly right. That's good. That's good. So um, I, failure, uh, you talk about failure uh, in the book. You talk about it uh, is just Failure is what stops so many people. The fear of failure stops yeah. people from doing things. So what yeah. would you say to that person that uh, maybe right now is, I mean, especially a lot of churches right now, a lot of pastors right now are dreaming about the future right now, coming out of quarantine, coming out yeah. of this COVID stuff with all the stuff going on politically, you know, and socially with yeah. you know, race and all this stuff. Yeah. A lot of people want to take those big steps and say, you know, man, I, I want to be a pioneer for, for race. I want to be a pioneer for what's new. Um, what would you say to them to encourage them uh, to maybe get over that fear of failure? Yeah, well, you know, the fear of failure for the book comes in the context of uh, dreamers really calling. I think that, that God awakens things in us by the dreams he's placed in our hearts. 
But the problem is, is that so many people are unwilling to dream because they're afraid to fail. What if I step out and it doesn't work? Or, or I have stepped out and it didn't work. Or, and, and we just have to start going like failure can't be final. Failure can't be fatal. And, and, and what do you do when that happens? And I'm not talking about necessarily, I don't even think sin failure is fatal, but I'm saying, I'm not talking about like some moral failure, but you know, we stepped out, we tried something, it didn't work like we thought, it didn't happen in the same way. Or maybe it is a marriage that failed. Maybe it is a fall that you had, whatever else it is, you have to be able to get back up and go again. You have to say, listen, I'm not going to, because what happens is, is when I am afraid to fail, I stop taking risks. I stop stepping out. All of a sudden, I'm no longer leaning in, but I'm leaning back. I'm not kind of pursuing what God has for me. I'm kind of pulling back from what God has for me. And that's that thing that has to shift. We cannot uh, let the fear of failure stop us from moving forward. Yeah. So, I mean, I know there's all kinds of times where things like that happen. Um, well, hold on. You know, my daughter's coming in on our podcast right that's now. That's awesome. Can you give me a minute? Oh my gosh. They all, they got my dog. The this whole is my crew. quarantine life. My dog's got uh, life jackets. Life jackets? Don't ask, dude. My family is crazy. <laughs> you, can, you can keep this in the podcast. And I just had two dogs. So I'm at my home office because we're all working from home. And my daughter is 21, who is a like mini version of my wife, loves our dogs. And we have paddle boards. We take them to the lake. And they're all convinced that these dogs need life jackets. So they need dog life jackets. So, so my daughter went and got dog life jackets because my dogs need life jackets when it's the, uh, listen, and I, I, like I live, I'm surrounded by crazy people in my house <laughs> because my wife has reproduced herself in kids when it comes to their craziness about their pets. Rabbits? Right. Uh, no more rabbits, but we got rid of rabbits because uh, we got an, a cat, another dog, yeah, and we now, have, we now have chickens. So we transitioned so Banning, from rabbits to chickens. You're, you're, uh, you're, you're definitely not on the winning circuit of animals there right now because you've, you've, you've protested quite a bit, but they keep sending a win. Are you kidding me? I'm, I'm like powerless in my house. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a completely lost cause. The problem is I have none of my kids are on my side. And listen, I like pets. I like animals. Not bad. But none of my kids are on my side. If it wasn't for me, do you know what? I, you know who I am? If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, where the, the fire demon down there in those dwarf caves under the mountain <laughs> is chasing them and Gandalf turns around on that bridge and he, he says, you shall go, you know, that, that part where he just puts it down, yeah. you shall go no further. That's what I, I'm that guy in our house with pets. They're like, can we have another dog? We literally were somewhere the other day where they, were, where they had kittens out. They're like, can we have a kitten? And I'm Gandalf you shall go no further. Like that's my life right now. And yet most of the time they just ignore me and walk by me. So I don't know what to say. That's good. That's good. I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a good way of living life. I yes. guess. I guess I'm overrun, but I'm greatly loved in my home. So <laughs> I guess that, I guess that makes up for it. Yeah. So, okay. So you've written a few books. It's debatable as to how many, um, yeah. But uh, let's talk about for those that feel maybe maybe the thing that's stirring inside of them is to write a book. Um, 
Talk about just kind of the pragmatics for you. What has that process been? You know, I'm sure you've learned different ways of doing it, but just kind of what does that process look for you? Are you waking up super early? I know you wake up super early anyway, but you know, what's, what's that process kind of look like for you? Uh, yeah, I listen, when it comes to book writing, I, um, I would say a couple of things and I'm different because book writing's hard for me. Um, it's hard, like writing's hard. So I think, um, I think that one, you've got to figure out what your message is. Like, what is it that you own? Like, what is it that you own? So I wrote rooted cause I owned community owned prayer. I like, so what do you own? What's something that God hasn't just put in your head. He hasn't just put in your heart, but he's put in your cellular level. And I think you really have to spend some time wrestling with that. What is it that I own at a deep level? That would be enough for me to take the time to put it down on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, you have to figure out your rhythm and what works for you. Uh, for me, it's I got to get some type of an outline down. I've got to get the flow. What am I doing? How does this work? I, so I'll get all the outline down. And then for me, what, what really sort of set me free was an editor and kind of writer with me. So when I wrote my first book, I felt I would write and then I'd go back and read it. And I just was like discouraged because I'm like, I really love reading. And it, I'm like, this isn't good at all. The content was good, but the writing wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Until all of a sudden I had an editor come along and start rewriting stuff and making it look better. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to read this. And it, it just really freed me up. So if yeah. you're not a brilliant writer, I'm talking about not your content's not good, but you're not a brilliant writer, then I would partner with somebody who's a good writer. And, um, and I'm not talking about ghostwriting because I, but, but I have a writer with me who makes me look a lot better than I am. And, uh, even on this one too, I didn't even write this stuff. I spoke it all out. Erwin McManus does this. I took a few days. I took a few days in a, a, in a hotel room in hell's kitchen in New York city. And, uh, and then I took a few days here in my, in my, uh, my home office. And I just, I just spoke the entire book out, got it all transcribed then worked my way through all of that, then handed that to an editor, also writer, and she just made it look a lot better, a lot better. So I think you find, you know, but you might be somebody who is brilliant writer and you love sitting down. It's harder for me. So you just find, you find, you got to find your rhythm. You got to find, but, but listen to this, you're going to have people that need to work it through it with you. I can, you know, unless you're Max Lucado, uh, honestly, for the most part, you're probably going to have people that are, are, you need some people that are looking at it and giving you input and helping shape that and maybe rewriting stuff. Um, and so that's kind of my rhythm for it, but beyond all of that and listen, I, I, my last book came out four years ago. So, and, and there's a lot of people that have come out with two books since I came out with that book. Yeah. Uh, but for me, I'm just like, I, I better make sure that this is a message that one needs to be heard, that two, I own at a deep level. Yeah. And if it's not, then uh, for me, I, I don't, I don't want to write it. That's good. That's good. So um, <clears throat> let's do this kind of, kind of bring it to the close here. So you are passionate about people living in the presence of God and really in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so just for those that maybe are a little bit new to that, that concept, that idea, give us just a couple tips or just even kind of what living in 
the presence of God and having the spirit empower you? What does that look like for you? Um, how does how yeah. do kind of like fan, you know, I was just reading the other day, like fan into flame, the gifts, yeah. you know, just that kind yeah. of thing. So give us some, some words of advice there. Well, obviously the Holy Spirit lives in you. So God's with us. Um, but he's also, his presence is with us. He's walking with us. Um, and it's relational. So I think it's just a consistent awareness of God's presence with us. And in worship, uh, while I'm sitting at my desk, while I'm driving in my car, just consistently turning your affections and your attention to the fact that God is with you right now. Of course, he's always with you because he actually has taken up residence within you. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. He's filled you. But, but God's presence is with you as well. God himself is with you. And, uh, and, and to be honest with you, and Brian and Katie Torwalt wrote a brilliant song called, you know, When You Walk in the Room. But the reality is, is God doesn't walk in the room. It feels like he walks in the room simply because we become aware of him. Mm. So he's there. He's here right now in the room with me. And when I turn my attention and my affections to him, I become aware of him. And, I, and, and when I'm in his presence, I understand what I'm alive for and my heart gets realigned. And I encounter what I was created for just to be in fellowship with him. And so it feels like he just walked in the room. <laughs> But all, it was just my awareness got mm. heightened. And so I think, you know, that book, Practicing His Presence, it's just that thing that we're just going to constantly try to turn our attention, our affection to him and become aware of him in every situation. That's great. All right. Last question here. Um, what brings you personal renewal? Well, I give you the spiritual answers, but honestly, right now, um, it's probably CrossFit. I, I mean, of course, being with Jesus, if I, if I could get out of the spiritual realm. Uh, well, actually, I think CrossFit is. I think our physical world is right now CrossFit. Right now, just go in and, and um, uh, just, just go in and working out. Also, I found I'm not a super handy guy, but I've been doing home projects, building uh, chicken coops. Um, building chicken coops, building um, like planter beds for gardens and doing things. And that's actually brought a lot of uh, kind of refreshing right now. I think in the midst of all that's going on, it takes so much mental and emotional capacity uh, that just, and, and then it never feels done either. So I think for us in ministry, it's just never done. It's never done. And, and it's so overwhelming right now, all that's going on. So I think just putting your hands to something where it's done, there it is, it's done. And then I put some dirt in it and we plant some, you know, and so it's just got that. And it's kind of a little bit mindless. It doesn't take any emotional work, no mental work. You know, you're just kind of solving things and put it together. So I think that's been pretty refreshing right now too. I love it. I love it. Any last words for us as we, we uh, head out? No, I just really appreciate being on here. Love your heart to come alongside people and uh, just encourage them. Uh, this will be my last kind of thing to say is that, we all need courage. So be the person sticking courage inside of people. I'd encourage you to be the, the most encouraging person you know and be the most encouraging person in every room you walk into. It costs you nothing to encourage people. And yet what they need more than anything else is courage. That's great. I love it. Manny, you guys go check out the book. You guys can buy it anywhere and everywhere. 
Um, and uh, I think Banny would probably encourage you to buy it digitally. Was that correct? Uh, uh, actually, I don't care. Listen, when it's my <laughs> book, I don't care how you buy it. When, when, when it's something I've written, you can buy it any way you want. I'm totally good. I, I have no preference at all. All right. Well, I, I'm trying to switch over, but it's tough, man. It's tough. It's tough. All I right. agree. Well, have a great episode. We'll talk, we'll talk to you guys soon.